getting way better quality from you out of this thing. You're getting studio quality audio. Oh my God. Hi. Hi. Hi, Alma. Hi. Sorry, I kind of brushed you off a little bit on the phone. I was like deep in a technical problem and I was like, fuck. That's fine. I needed to make my cup of tea anyway. <sighs> Michael. Yeah. Michael, Michael. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I have my tea. Mm-hmm. I was just singing about my plant, hoping that it survives. It looks it looks a little crispy. Well, what do you think made it so crispy? I don't know. Might just be moving to a new environment. The stress. Yeah. Same thing that made me crispy, you know? Yeah. Well, we're almost done. Yeah, I know. I've made a plan. I don't know what my health will be like. I am depending on my little ant colony to carry me through the day. How's Massachusetts? You're a mass hole again. Complex. Sure. Sure. That's all you have to offer at this time. I mean, Sam is Sam. Sam mm-hmm. is is great and reminds me of uncomfortable truths that are not good to dwell on. It's like there's always something there to remind you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is a problem. Oh, I, I don't know. Should we actually start? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Let's start our official banter. All right. Um, okay. okay. We'll try. Begin official banter now. Michael, Kai, how are you? Oh, wow. Okay. We just went straight into it. <laughs> we just, yeah. It's, we had a lot of pre-banter, foreplay banter. I don't know if it's good, but it's fine. Whatever. Michael, we never know if it's good, and then we release it, and people like it. Our own podcast is like a black box to us. Like, That's we true. never know whether it's good. All we can do is make it and hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. Much like the impact of our lives. How am I? Yeah. How am I, you ask? Yes, I ask how you are. This week sucks. This week is just garbage week. This is a shit it's, week for both of us. It's really hard. Yeah. Listeners, we promised that we would tell you a little bit of gossip, little news. Mm, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Forgot that they don't know. Yeah, the they, they don't know the real deal. So we've been struggling with the shalom in the home issue with our housemate, with our other mm-hmm. housemate. We get along quite well. Michael and I. Yeah, that's true. We, we've we been eating a lot of tortellinis together. We do our stuff, but uh, we've had issues with a housemate. You know, a younger version of me would just start complaining and it would feel so <laughs> cathartic. And it still would, but... The older version of me knows that it will pay dividends for me to just keep my mouth shut and speak in large generalizations like, you know, just wasn't a good fit. <laughs> Your typical selfish, backstabbing, slut-faced hoe bag. But we both moved out of our apartment this week. Oh, no. So it's been an incredibly exhausting time. But we're almost done. Are you almost done? I'm, I'll am i be done on Sunday, Michael. I'll be done on Sunday, too. I, I've moved my mattress to Massachusetts. We're going to move your mattress on Sunday. Yeah. All my hard stuff is done. Anyway, listeners, I'm, you know, I'm still your unemployed mop of a person. <laughs> right. You've heard of a rake. Get ready for a mop. I'm both a rake and a mop. Uh, yeah, I'm living with everyone's favorite gay historian, Samuel Biagetti. I landed. I'm fine. We're recording the pod. I'm fine. Yeah, how, how are you? How am I? Well, Baruch Hashem, I'm okay. I'm really, my neck has been hurting all day. My neck. Just like constant pain, and I feel like that pain has really exhausted me. So right now I'm really tired, but I moved back in with one of my best friends in the whole world and her wife and 
am really enjoying my new living situation. Just really ready to have my stuff moved in and get settled. But then also this same friend who I moved in with, um, someone close to her passed away recently. So it's been really emotional in the home. Yeah. Just today, I found out for the very first time, a friend of a friend tested positive for COVID. It's the first person I personally hang out with in my city that I know of that's tested positive. So that feels like sort of a event in my life right now. Listeners, you know, we're just, we're living, we're surviving. Our housing is a little up in the air this week. Yeah, it's a little bit of... Just doing our best to get along kind of week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're recording remotely. I'm, I'm using some new internet technology. So that's mm-hmm. some, so we're getting a mm-hmm. nice, clear Hava voice hopefully coming into a your... Nice, clear Hava voice. Mm, yes. Love that. <laughs> Love that. I always want to eat the microphone. That's very but cute. That's illegal. Should we talk about Talmud? Before we break into the Talmud, uh-huh. let's just do a little bit of podcast news. You do it. All right. Okay. Well, listeners, we tell you about the Talmud hotline every week. Mm-hmm. Hava, what's true. the number? Just can you just oh tell my me God. what the number is you real quick? Bitch. Just tell me what the you number is. You fucking bitch. Google it. You Google it. I always Google it. All right. All right. Hold on. You pull it up. All right. Hold on. Put this shouting in the podcast. <laughs> the people need to know. All right. All right. All right. All right. It's 401 484 1619. Give us a call. Give us a call. You can even text us. But now for the phone shy, there is now a little Hi, How Are You website that is just easy, anonymous, ask a question. You can ask anything. Our operators are standing by. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We'll be notified. You just type in your little nickname, type in the subject, type in a message, and uh, we'll feature it on the show if it's uh, appropriate. Or cool. It has to be one of those two things. Don't take it personally if we don't show it it's not up to us it's up to a committee of people we're we're just part of a hierarchy no it's up to us we just have a huge backlog of listener correspondence which is great please keep sending it to us you've been waiting to hear it hi how are you.com xai hi how are you.com go to it leave us a message give us a comment no strings attached you know, we have a lot of advice from moving. Yeah. House plants. House plants. House plants. Chronic illness. Chronic illness. Precariat financial situations. Being gay. Being gay. These are some of our areas of expertise. Yeah, we got that on lockdown pretty much. Yeah. We are financially precarious gays for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, one of us is. Well. You self-identify as a financially precarious gay, but you're you're transitioning to being financially precarious. You're not cis precarious, which is weird because your cisness is precarious, but your precarity is not cis. I have a ways to fall so far, so if that's attractive to you, send us a little <laughs> message on the website, com. Just do it. Just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow, so... Just do it. Should we do some tall mud? What? Yeah, so we are dealing with a listener voicemail this week, and here it is. Hi there, Fava. This is Maya, new patron calling in. I had a Talmud question for you. been thinking a lot lately about responsibility of people, responsibility of leaders. Looking at the Talmud, I came across this passage, Tani 24a, Translation goes through talking about a fast being declared when rain did not come, and Oshaya, the youngest of the group of sages, saying to the house of Nasi, the leaders, then it shall be 
if it shall be committed in error by the congregation, it being hidden from their eyes, talking about leaders being the eyes of the congregation. And it continues saying this parable, talking about a bride in her father's home, and as long as her eyes are beautiful, her body need not be examined. If her eyes are bleary, the entire body requires examination. One of the takeaways being if leaders of a generation are flawed, it's a sign that the rest of the generation, the rest of the people need examination as well. And thinking about how that seems to be talking about taking responsibility for one's leaders, not just leaders being responsible for the people they serve. And I was wondering about your thoughts in terms of how that relates to the situation we're in now, where our leaders are fascists and trying to become dictators, not quite there yet, and what that says about us, how that reflects upon the people that they are oppressing. Anyway, thank you very much. Um, hope that's some food for Talmudic thought. And thank you so much for this podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Wow. What a voicemail. Yeah. What a thing to grapple with. Thank you, Maya, for that wonderful voicemail. I'm just going to give us a little bit of original language text from the page, and then we'll dive right in. The question that Maya sent us comes from uh, Masechet Ta'anit, page 24a. We've been in Masechet Ta'anit before. It is dealing with issues of fasting, not so much with issues of like Yom Kippur fasting, but issues of sort of other kinds of fasts, which we'll see in this section. So I'm just going to read the Aramaic slash Hebrew, and then we'll go on a journey. Here we go. Torani 24a. I like Shigaga. <laughs> I know Shigaga uh, is a really funny word. We'll get to it at the very end. A fast is declared in the house of the Nasi. The Nasi is usually the highest-ranking member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the highest possible court of the Jewish people in the period of the Second Temple. The Nasi is like a super important political and religious figure. And what's happening in this story is that the Nasi declares a fast because there was a drought, and the fast is sort of an attempt to get some rain to come. That's what a lot of Masechet Ta'anit is about, is what qualifies as a drought, how long into the drought, are you allowed to call a fast, all of the sort of halacha of when are we allowed to fast in order to call for rain. So when he's calling for a fast, he's calling for all Jews, all Jews Not necessarily. I mean, I don't know the halakha of fasts inside and out. Could just be for the town in which he resides or the city in which he resides. I don't think there's a fast for all Jews collectively. If you have no rain, but your neighbor does have rain, they don't fast with you. Just oh, the people who need it fast. Doesn't seem very charitable. It's not that it's uncharitable, it's just that it wouldn't necessarily have an effect. I think the theological underpinnings of the idea is that if we don't have rain, it must be because of some error we committed. Mm. And so we're fasting as an act of repentance from that error in hopes that it will lead to rain coming. If you are not part of the group that committed the error, then your fasting is irrelevant. So the Nasi declares a fast. The rain doesn't come, which is a big challenge to the religious credibility of the Nasi. You sort of think like if the chief 
political and religious figure calls a fast, you kind of expect it to get results. And so this person, Oshaya, which the text calls the youngest member of the group of sages, he pipes up and he quotes this verse from Tanakh from Numbers 1524 that says, Then it shall be, if it shall be committed in error by the congregation, it being hidden from their eyes. So this is a piece in Numbers that's talking about what the sacrificial requirements are if an error is committed by a collective of Jewish people and they, for some reason, didn't know that it was an error. So the common way of interpreting this is, what if your rabbi told the entire town that this chicken was kosher and we all ate chicken soup from that chicken and then it turns out it wasn't kosher? What is the process at that time? So this is the point that Oshaya is making is in this verse about sacrificial procedure, sacrificial bureaucracy, the eyes stand for the leaders of the congregation. So what Oshaya is sort of sideways throwing shade saying is that if the Nasi called this fast and the rain didn't come, it must be because of some error with the Nasi, which is very impudent of Oshaya to bring up. In the verse that Oshaya brings up, is the congregation doing something that is bad because the rabbi tells them to do it, or are they just doing something bad as a collective that the rabbi doesn't necessarily know? They're doing something bad because their leader made an error that brought them to do something bad. So Oshaya brings this up, and mm-hmm. the implication is that, hey, no rain fell, maybe this is an, an analogous situation. Rabbi gave us something bad to do, we did it, we didn't get the result we wanted. Exactly, so let's blame the Nasi, which I can't tell us today whether the right call is to blame the Nasi or not, but that's the point that Oshaya is making. As we go on on the page, everyone is super upset about Oshaya saying this, but no one really offers a contradiction of any kind. They're just like, this was really shitty of you to say. Whoa. But no one is like, and I will disprove you thusly. It's just like, that was shitty. Later on on the page, there's sort of this metaphor that Maya mentioned in the voicemail. If a bride enters the father-in-law's household before the wedding. So she hasn't seen her groom yet. If her eyes are beautiful, her body does not need to be examined. But if her eyes are bleary, her entire body requires examination. I don't even want to go too far into that because it's like, that's a whole episode all its own. Just like bubble that and put it off for another episode. Bubbled. The point they're making is that if the leaders of the generation which are the eyes, are flawed, then we have to examine the entire generation. And if the leaders are good, then the body is good, which is, in this case, all of the constituents. Now I finally talked enough to get what Maya is asking about out there. Right, now we right. can actually talk about the subject. Michael, what do you think of this idea that if the leaders are flawed, look to the people? I think it goes both ways. Uh, sometimes when the eyes are bleary, it's just because the eyes are shitty leaders. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that often it does. People have insecurities and fears that motivate them to pick leaders that are bleary-eyed. And uh, sometimes that can be very frustrating. For example, in my state of Massachusetts, we had the collective of voters vote down a rank choice voting. Ugh, bummer. 
I don't really understand that at all. Why would you vote against ranked choice voting? I won't go into the details, but that's a case of uh, the congregants being quite bleary-eyed, and there was no leader involved at all in that. Maybe there were influential people unofficially involved, but not directly making decisions. So I think oftentimes now we want to blame I think given the context we're in where I think most people blame leaders and they don't necessarily look at themselves, I think this is valuable given the context and tendencies that we currently live with. One thing I just want to draw out about the context is that the Nasi is a very different kind of leader than our political leaders today in that the Nasi is sort of a office that's part of a political entity that, well, one has sort of one cohesive community in a way that, for instance, America is not. Uh, and for two, I think I would say the Nasi rules by much more consent than, for instance, the president. I think when Oshaya said this, there's no way he was thinking because, you know, they're ruled by the Romans at this point. I'm sure Oshaya wasn't thinking, oh, the Romans are really shitty. That must be our fault. You know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think there is something to be drawn out there about like sort of a hidden context of there needs to be a particular kind of relationship between the leader and the constituents to justify this kind of examination. So, for instance, the presidency of Donald Trump reflects really differently on like white middle class women than it does on like poor, trans, disabled. There are certain people who I think relate to Trump in the way that ancient Jews related to the Nasi. And there are certain people for whom Trump is more like the Romans. Right. And that's just a function of how different our political and cultural situation is today than it was in this period. I want to take what you said about Oshaya probably wouldn't say that the Romans are shitty, that means we're shitty. But the Nasi is shitty, that means we're shitty. Mm-hmm. And and use that as a metaphor that says that, like, it's not our fault that Trump is in power or that rank choice voting didn't pass or some other larger thing that we don't have direct say in or we're not really part of. But we do have control over our environment and community that we're directly interacting with every day. Like, keep your eyes on your own cards. Be more aware of what you actually have control over and what you actually can affect. Right. Know who you're in community with. You know, Maya's question was somewhat about, like, how does this teaching apply in the era of all the fascist leaders that we have now? And I think the answer is that you have to look at that fascist leader, understand what your relationship is to them in terms of political power. You know, where along the spectrum from from Caesar to Nasi does your relationship fall and then respond accordingly? There's not a one-size-fits-all. Obviously, even in the time of Oshaya, there wasn't a one-size-fits-all from the the point that I'm trying to bring about the Romans, or I'm hoping to bring. So, you know, there's not a cookie-cutter solution. You just have to understand whether this leader is truly someone that you need to examine yourself and your community and how you might have contributed to their leadership, or you need to take some other kind of action. You need to figure out your scope. Figure out your scope. It's important to know your scope. 
Yeah. It's very easy to get caught up in the larger scope, especially now that, uh, you know, we're a little bit more atomized and fractured, uh, not a lot mm-hmm. of communities. Most of the news we get is from larger institutions that publish at the national level. So we're in a time where it's hard to feel connected to the smaller scope, but maybe this can be seen as a reminder to cultivate that small scope. Think globally, act locally, as they say. Yep. Maya, I hope this has been helpful. I really appreciate your question. I highly recommend all of you to go out and check out Neat 24A. It's a really interesting doff. Send me a message about it on Patreon, on Twitter. Always happy to talk about what we say on the show. I think we're ready to wrap up. Yeah, let's wrap it. Check out the new HiHowAreYou.com website to submit Mm -hmm. um, questions, comments, concerns. Send us your anonymous hot questions. We hope that you guys are hanging in there and doing well. Mm -hmm. It's a hard Mm -hmm. time. It's hard for us. I'm sure it's hard for you guys too. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Sending you all lots of love and blessings. Shavua Tov and talk to you next week. Shavua Tov. Bye. Bye.